Good morning, good morning. Glad y'all here. Man, uh, I appreciate this dude right here so much, Seth, uh, coming in uh, kind of last minute this week. Uh, Patrick and his family are at home dealing with some sickness, and so uh, Seth stepped up to the plate. Him and uh, I appreciate him and Mackenzie so much uh, for the week of being willing to step in, and uh, I appreciate Seth uh, a ton for being able to do this. So, uh, man, if you missed last week, uh, I just got to tell you, um, man, you missed a great message, and I can say that because I wasn't preaching. <laughs> but uh, if you missed last Sunday, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Kenny's message from last Sunday. Uh, he talked about the, the 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 reason why community is so important for our church, and why why the, the bonds that we're forming here at, at uh, Lindsay Lane East are, are long lasting, and why you need it. And so, man, I would encourage you uh, go back and listen. It's on Facebook and YouTube. Go back and listen to that. Uh, it's going to tie in super well to, to what we've been talking about, what we're going to continue to talk about. But if you're new here at East, uh, man, welcome. Uh, we were so pumped that you were coming that we bought you something. And so if you'll take the card from the bag of seat in front of you, uh, we, we legit did, all right? If you'll take the card from the bag of seat in front of you, fill it out. When you go by Next Steps on your way out, which is those two desks in the lobby, drop it by there. They're going to give you some free, uh, some free T-shirts and also some information about our church just to let you know that we appreciate you. Uh, being here, and also uh, so that you can know a little bit more about our church and whether this will be a good fit for you, okay? So you can fill that out and take care of that. Um, we're walking through a series that we're calling Steps, and so here at East, we believe that uh, the Christian life is made up of millions of tiny steps that you're going to take uh, on this earth, and so some of those are little bitty steps, like, hey, I'm going to get up in the morning and try to read my Bible before I go to work. Like Now, for some of y'all, that may be a bigger step. But for others of you, maybe it's a small step. But then, guess what? Then it's another step to do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. To, to, to commit yourself to grow in your prayer. To commit yourself to grow in evangelism. Like, all these things. These tiny little steps. Well, here at Lindsay Lane East, we call three of them. We have three things we call our big steps. And that's what we're going through this series. You see them there on the screen. Gather, group, and move. And so, those three, those three steps answer a ton of questions for us that I get as pastor. I get this one a lot. Hey, we've been attending for some time. How do I get more connected here at Lindsay Lane East? You know what I say? Gather a group and move. Some people want to. They want to go through our membership. They're like, Hey, I'd love to join this church. This seems like a good church. What, what does it look like to be a member here? You know what we say? Gather a group and move. Somebody says, Hey, I've been attending this church longer than you have, and uh, which is only two years now. I've rolled over two years. As Kenny reminds me, you've been the pastor here for twenty five percent of the church's history, which sounds like a lot, but it's two years. Um, and, uh, but I get that question. Hey, we've been here a long time, but I just feel stale. I feel stuck. Guess what I'll tell those people? Gather, group, and move. And so this series that we've been going through two weeks ago, we looked at, uh, at gather. We talked about the importance uh, of the gathering that you're in right now. When we gather to worship, we talked about what we do, what we're trying to accomplish here. And we said it's a big deal when you miss, not only for your own spiritual walk, but for the, for the spiritual well-being of those around you, that, that God may have placed you here today to encourage somebody else and, uh, and, and to, be a, to be a light to somebody else here. And so uh, the sad thing is that so many people never move beyond that step. They come here and they, and they gather. And, and I just want to challenge you, if, if that's you, um, we love that you're coming. We want you to continue to gather, but we want to encourage you today to take one more step with us, and that is to group. Um, we're going to be talking about what our groups accomplish for us and why they're so important. We believe um, that, 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 that groups are where you fall in love with the East family. 
because then you get to know people, you're around people, you're talking about God's word together, you're diving in, you're, you're also holding one another accountable, you're praying for one another. After we come into the gathering, then we invite you in to come and be a part of a group. And so today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5. So if you brought your Bible or if you want to use a Bible app or whatever you have, um, click on Hebrews 5 or flip there and um, we'll be there rather quickly. So I'm going to read verses 12 through chapter 6, verse 3. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to walk through four points today, but don't panic, okay? We'll get through them. That's verse 12. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with a message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food, that's for the mature for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ, go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you uh, for this letter uh, that we call Hebrews. And God, I thank you for the truths that are held in it. As we studied it last week, and we're studying it again this week, um, God, I pray that you would open our eyes uh, to see the way in which you've called us to grow and to mature as believers. And God, I pray that today, um, as I kind of explain how we function as a church uh, to help in those ways, God, that you would be here among us and you would uh, teach us to know you today and that you would be with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this letter that we do call Hebrews um, seems to be written to, to Jewish Christians. So in the first century, um, as the church begins to expand, the Christian church begins to expand, um, there are two types of people in general that are a part of this movement. There are those that are called Jews. Right? And these are the people that were like Jesus, that were raised around the temple worship. They were, way, they were raised going and making sacrifices. They were raised uh, trusting the high priest to be their connection to God. But then you had those that are called Gentiles by the Jews. They're the people that weren't Jewish. They were everybody else. And they were much more accustomed to the Roman way of life. They still went to a temple, but just different stuff went on there. <laughs> weird stuff. But there's kids in the room, so we won't go into it. But weirder, different stuff went on there. And there was still a priest or something like it, but they did different things. And so there, were, there, was, all, there was this difference. And so uh, some of the letters that we read in the New Testament were written, you can tell the way they're written is more for those Roman groups. The way that they talk about Christ, the way they talk about um, his call uh, to discipleship, you can tell it's calling them out of, hey, I know y'all think you know what worship looks like, but it's not. That doesn't honor Christ. Come and do it this way. The book of Hebrews, on the other hand, is reaching out to these people that were raised going to the temple, trusting a high priest and all this. And he's calling them to say, hey, there's a lot of traditions that you've built around yourself, those things don't necessarily honor Christ. Come in and follow Jesus the way he's called you to. Shave off some of these extra things, um, these things that Christ has fulfilled. And so the book of Hebrews is one of those that's speaking to these Jewish people. And so, um, but, but this is one passage in particular that actually doesn't have a whole lot of Old Testament imagery. It doesn't have a whole lot of, of those temple-type things. It's talking about maturity. It's talking about maturity. And, uh, and I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And the thing that we know about maturity and about growth is for my six-year-old, it happens naturally, doesn't it? 
for my eight-year-old. It's happening naturally. Uh, just last night, somebody saw my son and said, wow, he's growing so much. Like, yeah, and we're not doing, like, it's chicken nuggets. Like, we're not, we're not feeding him. It's not because of what we're putting in him. <laughs> he's just growing. It's just happening. That, but here's what we're going to see today in the text is that spiritual growth doesn't happen like that. Like, you don't just keep showing up and, and going through life, and all of a sudden you're a more mature Christian. What we're going to see from the text today is actually the opposite begins to happen. Let me show you, beginning in verse 12. What we're going to see first, I got four points again. I'm going to try to make it quick because I know. Whatever. You're hungry or something. But uh, point number one is this Christians often have a tendency to slack. A tendency to slack. All right, Hebrews 5 12 here. Again, I read it to you. Although by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation. Again, you need milk, not solid food. What's the accusation there? He's looking at a group of people. So we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We assume it's a guy who like was at some point invested with some group of people. And he left that group of people and wrote them this letter later. From the context, that's what it seems like. And so he's writing this letter, and, 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 and he's saying, look, some of y'all should be serving in ways that God has equipped you for, ways that, I, that God used me to equip you for while I was there. And what, is the, what does he say? Not only are they not doing that, he said, you need someone, instead of being teachers and being leaders in the local body, he said, you're, you're having to come back and learn the basic principles of, of God's word again. What does that show us? The, the, the natural draw of Christianity is not steps that aren't intentional. It's steps backwards if you're not intentional. And we actually step further away from Christ with not. And so this guy who's writing the book of Hebrews, what we know is that there's probably images in his mind of people. He's thinking back to his time with this body, whoever it is, and he's got images of people that he invested in, people that he sat down over lunch with, people that he shared meals with, he shared time with, and he, he invested in them. And when he began to leave, he knew this church is in good hands because those people are going to lead well. And then he gets word that they're not. <laughs> they're not. And I'll tell you, this is, this, is a, this is an idea that's not a 2,000-year-old idea. It transcends time. See, in April, I've been in ministry for 14 years. That's one four. I know I look 17. Started when I was three. It's a young pastor, but so I, fourteen years of ministry. And here's what I can tell you: just like the person who wrote this, there are when I think about people that I invested in, I've got faces, y'all, faces of teenagers and faces of adults that I've spent countless hours investing in, teaching them the Word of God, showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I knew I could see something in them, something in their eyes, something in their heart, something in the way that God was stirring in them that this is somebody who God's going to use mightily in the future. And I thought, man, this is some, they're going to be a teacher, they're going to be a pastor, they're going to be a kid's worker, they're going to be doing something. God's going to get major glory from this person because there's a unique anointing going on. And I, man, I stand before you as, as somebody who can, I can attest, I can attest to the fact that a lot of those hours that I spend in investing are being used. Like I, there, there's teenagers that I invested in growing up that are now just faithfully serving in their churches. They're teaching kids classes, youth classes, college classes. They're, they're, they're leading in incredible ways. 
But not all the faces are. And it breaks my heart. Because when I see their face, I know what I invested in. It's not a selfish thing. I know what they could be doing for the kingdom today. But they let up. And they started slacking. And it gets easier and easier to slack. The spiritual walk is something that we've got to stay focused on. And, and, and I'm telling you, as your pastor, it's easy for me to slack. I have a tendency to slack. I have to, in, with intentionality, choose to grow. Every day, we have the opportunity to take next steps in our walk and experience growth. But it won't happen if we're waiting on a perfect time, the stars to align above our bed. Like we're, None of that's going to happen if we're waiting for, for it to happen without our effort or our intentionality. Spiritual growth is only going to occur if we take ownership for our growth we make plans and we follow through. So after making this accusation, it's a pretty tough way to start off. I wanted to slide this part to the end of the message, but it's verse 12. So we had to start there, okay? But then he goes on to talk about how, how knowledge and learning tie together here. Knowledge and, and righteousness and obedience to God. This is what he said, and I'll call it this, relevance to righteousness. That's what he says in verses 13 to 14. And as I told the first service, look, this is the dumbest part of my message. Okay? Like, you're gonna, you're, we're going to get all, almost all the way through this point, and you're going to go, you just spent five minutes talking about that. We already all knew that, but bear with me, okay? He says, now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Now, when we read this carefully, we slow down. What we see is within context that verse 12, the accusation is being made. There are people that should be mature, but they're not. He doesn't use the word immaturity, but he calls them that they're needing milk. Who needs milk? Back right corner. Who is it that needs milk? Babies. The ones that will be talking to each other before the service is over. Like babies, right? And so the infants, the milk is fed to them. They don't feed themselves. That's what we see in verse 12. Immaturity is milk. And so in verse 13, he says something else about those. They're not only immature. He says they are inexperienced about the message of righteousness. They're inexperienced about the message. What is the message of righteousness? Where do we find the message of righteousness? the Bible, right? So they're inexperienced in the word. They're inexperienced in the word of God. Now, see, see how dumb that is? Did you know that, that immature Christians are most often inexperienced in the Bible? <laughs> see, and I know what you, but bear with me, okay? We're going somewhere with this. That's probably not shocking to you that babies in the faith are not super knowledgeable about the Bible. But verse 14 he starts talking about these, these, these mature people. So we talked about the immature. Now he's talking about the mature. And they don't, eat, they don't drink milk, he says. They eat solid food. The solid food is for the mature. And the, the, the connection seems to be made that these are people that aren't inexperienced about righteousness. They're actually experienced. And he also says that they've been trained to know good and evil. Again, it doesn't seem crazy to connect the idea. 
the more one understands about the Bible, the more they will take strides to being like Jesus. Right? Like nobody, none of you at this point are going, wow, I'm writing that down. (laughs) If I want to grow in Christ, read the Bible. You probably knew that. The problem is, though, in the way that we do it. Okay? Because for 27, 8-ish years of my life, I thought the best way I could learn to follow Jesus was by focusing not on the Bible as a whole, but on certain parts. Because there are certain parts of the Bible that are more clear about what I should do and shouldn't do. I mean, like as a kid, that's what I wanted. Like I don't have to study the Bible. I want to open it and I want you to give me a checklist. You want to follow Jesus? Do this and this and this and be like this. Don't do this, this, and this. And if you make checklists left to right, you're a weirdo, right? I don't know why I did that. Should have been this. But when you don't have things in your notes and you're ad-libbing, sometimes things happen. But that's what I wanted, right? But what I hope you know, if you've been around East a while since I've been here, we don't believe that here anymore. I don't know if we did in the past, but we don't now. We don't believe that the best way to grow in Christ is to study parts of the Bible. The Ten Commandments and these other letters to the church that just tell you, the way that you grow in Christ is by reading the Bible as a whole. Reading the whole Bible. You need to understand the overall narrative because it's a story that's being told from the beginning to the very end. And every single book of this book is important to that story. You need to to begin to learn how to see the connections between the Old and the New Testament. You need to learn how to discern context within a passage so that you don't like cut off parts of your body because of your sin, right? Like if you just read the Bible without context, you'll do weird things. You need to learn how to read the Bible in in the way that it was written to be read. You need to know the stories of the men and the women, men and women of the Bible deeply, but you don't need to follow them because they're nuts. Don't be like David. Don't be like Abraham. They were crazy. Abraham gave his wife over. That's another story. All right. We don't do, that's not what we're supposed to do. Instead, we read and we study and we do those things so that if we do all the things I just said, I just said, we will be driven to see the character of God and the overarching work of God in creation to redeem a people for himself. And then and only then will we begin to follow Jesus more closely. And that's why I preach maybe a little bit different than some preachers. It's not my desire to read a passage of Scripture each week and give you three points of application and challenge you to live a holy life that week. That's what I did for the first 10, 11 years of ministry. But what I began to see is that what we were doing as leaders in the church was just giving people rules and expectations and poorly showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're raising up people that with a checklist of what to do, but they were ignorant of God's word. Listen, I believe I can say this with confidence. The message of the Bible is not learn to obey God. It's learn to love God. It's a huge distinction. The message of the Bible is not learn to obey God. It's learn to love God. And our hope is that through the preaching from this, I said $150 table in the first service, I think it was $130. So there's nothing magical about it. We got it on a deal, Amazon, baby. Free shipping, you can't beat it. 
but the messages that are preached from behind this thing, I want, what I want is I want you to see the character of God. Uh, I want you to see the story of God's redeeming plan that's unfolding even today. And I want you to see that God's word can and should be read by every single Christian and understood. It can be understood. And, and just to, to, to kind of step aside, right, like some parts of today are going to sound like a sales pitch. Can I be straight with you? Because also what I'm trying to do today is show you why we're set up the way we are. And so because of the belief that I have as your pastor that this is what is important to God's word, it's why last semester in this that we've gone to sermon-based small groups. Because as I try to do what I believe is best for Sunday morning gathering, we believe there, there is a need to discuss in a small group for accountability's sake and application-based sake how the message from Sunday applies to your life. To ask the question, in light of the text that was preached, in light of all that was said Sunday, how should my life be different? Listen, church, my point on Sunday morning is to take you up to a high mountaintop and to look down at a passage of Scripture and show you the depths of that Scripture, but also to show you how it fits into the overall story of God's Word. And that's going to take time. <laughs> I don't have, we're not going to have time in the service for you to ask questions and for, for us to like dive deeper and answer all the... But you know where we do have time for that? Wednesdays at 6.30, just to throw out a round number. That's when we do our groups. And so like, th- this, is why we've, this is why we've placed this before you. Because I believe probably the, the preaching that I experienced some growing up was simply what our small groups are doing. <laughs> like I, the, the preaching I experienced growing up was, was telling me how to apply God's word, but they weren't teaching me God's word. And so our hope is on Sunday morning, we're going to be, but what, what happened because of that, I liked biblical understanding and I bordered on a life of legalism. That ain't good. So what we're trying to do here on Sunday mornings, we hope you notice the difference, by the way. We hope you think, why is he, why does that's different? We hope you notice that. We hope when you come into groups, you notice the difference. But we want you to know we're doing it on purpose. We're trying to take these two weekly learning environments that are both working together to drive home the same point because we like simple and focused things here at East. We don't like complicated things. But here's the catch. Show us some grace because this is new to your pastor too. (laughs) This This whole writing... Not only a sermon for Sunday, but a small group lesson every week. That, that, it takes time. It takes effort. And, and we're still trying to figure out how we can best seamlessly blend those two together. It's not a new idea. It's just new to us. Thousands of churches around the world doing the same thing for the same reasons. We don't have it figured out. So be patient as we pray and try to blend these two together more seamlessly. And the point is, that when we study God's word in its entirety, the message about righteousness, we move from needing milk to being ready for solid food. And the way the author of Hebrews defines that solid food is being able to distinguish between good and evil, knowing what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what we want here. When we learn the true and full message of God's word, we will grow in righteousness. So, we naturally have a tendency to slack. If we don't stay focused, we don't stay intentional. 
learning has a relevance to righteousness. Even, even nerdy Bible study learning has a relevance to righteousness. We've seen it in the text. Beginning of verse 1 of chapter 6, we see in most nerdy point of the sermon, fair, fair warning, okay? But people that like went through education class, like if you're a teacher, this is for you. This is going to be fun, okay? Miss Judy, this is for you, baby. Former teacher back there, all right? Here we go. The author shows us that in the, te- in the text, that the, Bible, that, that the Christian life, that there is a sequence of learning. Look at this. Therefore, which is a huge word when we're reading the Bible, because of everything I've just said, because you have a natural tendency to slack off and not do what God's called you to do, not live up to the maturity level with which Christ is invested, and you need to read God's word to get better, therefore, he says, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, if you're wanting me to go through each one of those, I can't, because scholars still argue what in the world he's talking about in each one of these things. But what we know is that who he was writing to knew exactly what he was saying. He was telling them, you need to, I know the things that you're focused on, I know these These ideas, you need to move beyond those. The same is true for us. What we have here in the text is a calling to, to, to understand a sequence of learning in our church. The education world calls this sequence. What it, what it means is, is that there are some things that hopefully you learn in the early stages of a Christian. When you, crush, when you trust it in Christ, hopefully you learn you're a dead, nasty sinner. And you deserve to be separated from God. However, what you, don't, what you didn't realize before, you may have realized you were a sinner, is that Jesus Christ made a way to bring you back into a relationship with God through his death on the cross. If you would, if you would trust that Jesus died on the cross and was raised again and seated at the right hand of the Father, and if you would turn from your sin and turn to God, you could be saved. Faith and repentance. And you needed that to be saved, but you know what? You still need it today, but if that's all you know, that's not good, right? We need to continue to know that. We need to learn. We need to have learned that. We need to continue. But we need to build on it. The early things that you learn as a Christian are a good foundation, but they make for a lazy house. Some of y'all have been building houses lately. Y'all, I can't even imagine how y'all do it. I don't know how y'all do it because it's everything's so slow, and you've got those deadlines that don't actually mean anything, right? And I've seen houses for a long time. There's this beautiful pad port or there's a foundation, you know, and it just sits there for a while. Like, that's my house. No, it's not. Maybe your land, but that ain't a house. But without that foundation, you ain't got a house either, right? The same is true for Christianity. The, this idea has always been a part of growth among God's people. You go back to the earliest Israelites, long before the Bible was even written down. The Israelites, they were trying to figure out a way, how can we teach our kids the things of God? And they have them memorize certain things that prophets had said and done in the past. And then they even, the reason we have the Bible in its entirety, the, or the Old Testament, the reason we have it is because they thought, you know what, over time, we need to write some of this stuff down. And they started writing it down. And you know what? When you study it, when you get real nerdy in it, they actually wrote it in such a way that you could learn it. They actually wrote it in such a way that, 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 they, that, they, uh, that, it, that it made sense. And so when, uh, when 
when we come to the Bible, that's what's going on. And so then years later, uh, the Jews, they developed schools that would carry that knowledge even deeper, even to the point of training up future rabbis who would be traveling the world, highly respected for their biblical knowledge. But it all started with little kids learning, memorizing parts of the Bible. And by the time the early church comes on the scene, I'm doing some history here, but hang with me. You get to the first century, you know who's in charge? The Romans. And right before that, it was, it's, so we were called the Greco-Roman world. And if, you're, if you go real nerdy, philosophy, if you remember back in philosophy, it's just like Socrates, Aristotle, these names, that's the only two I know. That's, that's one more than Plato. Thank you. There's three. I only got one in the first service, so I remembered another one. But, but those are the guys that, are, that, ha, that, have, what, that have been pouring into the education system. So by the first century, the, whole, the Greco-Roman world is understood. They've begun to develop institutions for learning, and the church learns from that. And the church begins to formalize. There's actually a, a discipleship manual that we know that's from like the early days of Christianity that they walked their believers through. Like, this, is an, this isn't a crazy idea that we would ask the question, how is it that we grow in our walk with God? The best way to think of a sequence of learning is like scaffolding. You familiar with scaffolding? Big metal pipes, X braces, log boards that you climb up. We're going to play a game. I looked up the tallest scaffolding structure, Guinness Book World Record. How tall you think it was? I have a card. Oops. Oh, Tom. Tom, you get an invitation to church. It's not a gift card. Um, but thanks for playing. Um, yeah, 650. So close. 650 feet. Now, here's what you need to know. To get to 650 feet, you don't go straight up. <laughs> I promise you it was not. Shoop. It, what, what it was is it was strategically and carefully planned and built from the ground up to get to 650 feet. I went on a mission trip, and we didn't go 650 feet. We went about 12. But what I learned uh, is that not all scaffolding through the years fits together. I don't know if y'all knew that. Like scaffolding that's 80 years old doesn't fit in the holes of scaffolding that's 10 years old. Okay? And so... We had a guy that was going to bring some scaffolding, and I hope he doesn't watch this um, on live stream. But uh, he, that was what we're trying to do. We're trying to fit scaffolding together. It doesn't work. The braces are different sizes. The walk boards are different lengths. All this stuff. And what we, what we learned, what the, thank, thank the Lord that we had a good foreman that was over the, the job that we were doing. And he said, well, let's put the strongest one on the bottom. Well, let's find the one that's got the right braces and the right walk boards and all that. And let's start with that one. Because if we start with one that's already crooked, it ain't going to work. And see, so some of you guys that are in construction, you can, you can teach more about sequence than I can because you know about scaffolding. You know about building this stuff. And the same is true for us as in, in the spiritual world here. Learning is the exact same. And the question that I wrestled with before I was the pastor here, and I'm, I'm, I continue to wrestle with it, is what are the scaffolding pieces, right? Because we've got to start at the bottom. We've got to continue to add these layers on. What are they for Lindsay Lane East? Because I don't believe God spells out necessarily, here's what you need at each step of your spiritual journey. But I do believe by studying God's word and looking at the history of the church, we can gather some general ideas 
through prayer and, and seeking wisdom from the Lord and, and other godly people to develop a sequence. And, 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 and we have one here. And if you're new, uh, you get some grace. And if I'm not going to ask you to say it because some of you have been here a while may forget it too. So don't say anything. But I'm going to tell you what our sequence of learning is here. It's foundation, life, and leadership. We believe those three are the scaffolding pieces that you need. So there are things here that we do that are, that are geared towards a foundation, right? We need a strong foundation. That's the first piece of the scaffolding. We believe at East, the things a person needs to know before they ever begin to walk with Christ in, in any kind of long-term way is that we, we talk about three things here. The first thing is you need to know how the Old Testament's put together. Like you need to walk through the Old Testament because I promise you there's parts of it you ain't never read unless you have actually read it from beginning to end. But if you didn't do that with intentionality, there's parts you skipped over. Leviticus. Gotcha. There's parts of it you skipped over that are important. You need to know the Old Testament, but you also need to know the New Testament. And not just the happy, clappy times with Jesus, but all of it. You need to know that. And then you need to know the basics of what it means to be a Christian. What does it look like to study my Bible? What does it look like to have a healthy prayer life? What does it look like uh, to, to share my faith? And we've developed here three courses. I told you part of this was going to sound like a sales pitch. We call them Old Testament 101, New Testament 101, Discipleship 101. And we cover those through our Wednesday night small groups. The Davises, who were here in the first service. And I made them like wave their hand, and it was awkward for them. But they're doing a great job. They're, they've taken our, our foundation material, and they're, they're teaching this on Wednesday night. They've started the journey through the Old Testament just last Wednesday. They just went through an introduction. So you're welcome to still join them. But this group is for those who have recognized, I'm new to the faith. I got no foundation. I got the land. That's all I got. Groups.lindsaylaneeast.org. Sign up for the foundations group, 630. They'll walk with you through the Old Testament. Then the new. T- it takes a year to get through the course or all three courses. But we'll offer it every year. It's for those that are new, but it's also for those, I've been a Christian a while, man, you may have been a Christian for 20 years, and what you realize is that life got shaky. You know why life got shaky? It's because your foundation was janky. Y'all, that wasn't even in my notes. Let me write that down. No, but that's true, right? And so what we do is we invite you to come back too. We got folks going through foundations that are not new Christians. They've been Christian a long time. But they know, like, hey, I need to be, I need to refresh your course of what those things are. And we also ask all those that want to teach. If you want to teach here at Lindsay Lane East in the future, we want, we want you to be a group leader. But we ask you to go through our foundations curriculum. It's going to help you journey and also help you help others journey. And we use the same terminology together. So we believe that once you have a strong foundation, then you begin, then you can begin to see for yourself how God's word intersects your life today. And that's what we call life groups. And life groups, I know, sounds happy, clappy, postmodern, weird. But our life groups are simply an opportunity for you to be in a group of people who are like you, walking through the same difficulties you are, that are there to pray for you, offer accountability and encouragement with the Bible open in front of them. Not a magazine, not a political newspaper, the Bible. That's our life groups. We've got three options on Wednesday night that are doing the sermon-based stuff. And then we have one on Sunday morning that starts next Sunday. Miss Wanda Thomas is leading what we call our Sunday school. So Bill come and said, do you all do Sunday school? Sure do. We have one <laughs> for Sunday school. We don't have a lot of space here, okay? 
But Miss Wanda's going to be leading that on Sunday mornings, 10-15, starting next Sunday, if you want to be a part of that. We believe this is an opportunity for you to grow in relationships and, and have this accountability. So you can sign up for either one of those. And the highest set of scaffolding, if you're like, hey, man, I'm, I've got this foundation. I feel like I'm confident here. I'm beginning. I'm a part of a life group now, and I'm growing there. But, but I want to I grow more, Heath. I want more. And honestly, there hasn't been a lot of options for you because we've been working on the lower pieces. We've got to work from the bottom. Last year, we offered one leadership opportunity. Yay for us. Okay. This year, we're going to try to offer four. That's my goal. We'll see how many we get done. We call them leadership one days. This year, we're going to call them leadership workshops. They're going to be an intensive training. Uh, some will be intensive training. Others may be a really deep discussion in a number of areas. Some are going to be similar to last year, what we did, where we just talked about leadership principles and how you can be a leader in any walk of life. Others may be more focused on, on wrestling with this particular theology where we present like three different, like a kind of a what we call an open hand theology one that we can disagree on. Uh, we may present three or four different options for what we believe about that and then just argue about it. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? But like based in God's word, just talk about it. We want to sharpen one another that way. We're also planning to have an intense mission training to help you learn what it looks like to, to engage not only your neighbors but the nations with the gospel. These are all things that, that we're working towards, and I can't wait to share them with you, but right now, that's all I've got for you, okay? They're coming. And they'll be for anybody who wants to build out their leadership scaffolding. This is how we're set up to help you grow. We're not just, uh, I, I was bound to determine, he, God, God help you if you're ever a pastor. Don't just offer a buffet and let people just pick what they want. Because here's what I know, is I've studied God's word and I know how you can grow. I know what God, I know what God needs to do in you to help you grow. And what we want to do as a church is put the right tools and the right things right in front of you so that you can take the steps you need. There will be times where we'll offer different options. I didn't mean that. But like we're going to have to have a structure to everything we do because we know foundation, life, and leadership. So, find out where you are. Where are you at in this sequence? Really important thing for our DNA here. But here's the deal. Sitting through the foundations course and being a part of a life group and coming to a leadership workshop, it's not going to grow you. I got bad news. You're not a six-year-old child growing physically, right? Like my six-year-old, I can feed him chicken nuggets and mac and cheese, and he's still going to grow. Just being a part of a group, being a part of foundations, it's not going to grow unless you come intentionally with the heart of, I want to grow here. And at that point, it don't even matter how awful of a job a group leader may do, how awful of a sermon, God's going to use it. And he's going he's to help you take the step. But you've got to want it. The leadership workshops are not going to grow. As we've said earlier, you want to grow. Your spiritual growth is actually on our shoulders. Everybody that came in this door today, I feel the weight of your spiritual growth. You need to know that. But it's not just me, it's all of us. Like we're responsible for one another growing in Christ. And we'll, that's why we try to offer tools, we try to serve, we try, to, we try to, to love you and try to provide opportunities for you to grow. But guess what? If you don't want it, I can't make you. I can give you all the right tools, right? It's on you. You're, but listen, what the, what the author of Hebrews tells us right at the end, it's so important for us to wrap up here, is that it's not just 
us providing you the opportunity. It's not just you choosing to grow. There's somebody else that's really, really important in this whole mix. (laughs) And we see that it's a dependence on God. Notice this. The author has said at this point that we're going to progress forward. We're not, going to, we're not going to slack off in our Christian walk. We're going to, with intentionality, move forward from these basic, basic truths that we've learned. And we're going to be teachers. And we're going to be leaders. Not depending on milk anymore, but feasting on the solid food of the word and learning to feed others as well. He says all of that, this great big challenge, let's do this, rah, rah, here we go. And then he says, and we will do this if God permits. I love that. Church, our dependence for everything in this life is dependent on God. The best way I can tell you, the best way I can, I'll try to think of an analogy. Sometimes my analogies run amok. But I'm going to try to, this is the best I could do. Spiritual growth is a lot like starting a fire. What we do as a church is we give you all the wood you need. We provide these environments, these, these two weekly environments for you to grow. And we give you the wood. And what will happen is over time, something a group leader says or something that's preached from the pulpit, like something's going to trigger. Like in your mind, it's going to be like, I've never thought about that before. It's one of those breakthrough moments. It's going to be like, wow, I've never seen that before. And that's like gasoline or diesel fuel. You can pour that on the wood too. But guess what? It still ain't a fire. Because see, what the Bible teaches us is the only one who can give the spark for spiritual growth is God. God's the only one. And so we're going to provide you the tools. We're going to provide the wood. And we're going to pray that there are going to be some breakthrough moments for you through something that's said um, in the Bible study or something that's said from the pulpit. Just like a light bulb moment where you go, oh. And that there's going to be some gas on that fire, but it's God who gives the spark. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us is that we need to be people of prayer. Not just God heal our nation, not just God be with my grandkids and keep them safe, or God help my neighbors trust in Christ, but you need to be praying, God, in 2022, help me grow. And that looks totally different for all of us. Some of you, it may be, I just need to trust in Christ. Like, I'm not even a believer yet, Heath. I don't even know if there's a place for me at your church, the way you've talked today. Listen to me. I promise you there is. What we want here is we want you to see with fresh and in an awesome way that the God who spoke creation into existence is the one who's allowing us to do what we do. And, and this is another beautiful thing. For those of you that are, that are not believers, I want you to know this. You're loved by this church. And not just by this church, but by the God who stands, whose shoulders we stand on. Because he sent Jesus Christ to die for you and make a way for you to be saved and also to grow in your spiritual walk. Because as we just said, that's all dependent on him. And we'd love to help you take that next step. But until then, until you're ready, you're welcome here. Be in these environments. We welcome you to, be, we welcome you to ask the tough questions that you're wrestling with. We want you to be here. And we just pray that along the way that the spark hits you like it hit us one day. And that you trust in Christ. For others of you, man, you know, the prayer today needs to be, I am a Christian, I know that, but I'm, maybe you're like that first, the first people. Man, I've just been slacking. Like, I know there's been a huge investment in me, and I know I could do something. And it's not just teaching. 
Some of you could be serving in our kids' ministry because you're good at it and, and you, you've learned from someone else what it looks like to be in kids' ministry. Like, you could do that. Do it. Some of you, some of you, could, be, some of you could be holding babies. Unless you're holding them all the time. You may not want to, but I'm looking in the back row back there, sorry. But like, you're, you may be good at that. Some of, you are, some of you need to be a part of our Next Steps ministry. Because for whatever reason, God's, God has made you approachable. And that's awesome. And you're good at it. You need to be a part of one of those teams. There's a hundred other ways that, that we could lay before you, but, but again, it, it's something you've got to act on. So if that's you, if that's you, hey, I need to take that next step. I need to begin to serve. Or if it's if today it's it's God, you know, I, my foundation is shaky. My life has proved that. When things get rough, I'm I'm wobbling all over the place. <laughs> Please sign up for our foundations. Jerry and Kim Davis, they're not here. Jerry's parents are, so they don't have to listen to this part. But they're some of the most genuine, real people I've ever been around. And that's why they're leading our foundations group. Because if when I and I, not anything against anybody else in the room, because I love all of y'all, but I think about people I want y'all to be around and learn from when you're early in your walk. That's the Davises, and they're going to be leading that, and they're awesome. So sign up for that, or if it's I need to be a part of life group, man, I, I feel alone in life. Guess what? You're not. <laughs> that's a lie from Satan. Get in the life group. Or it's, hey, Heath, man, I'm, I'm doing everything you're talking about, man. I just, if I'm going to take a next step, it's going to be a big step. Talk to us about that, too. Talk about that, too. We've got teams that this year are going to be building out coordinators that are looking for team leaders, team leaders that are looking for volunteers. All of that's happening in 2022. We're fixing to cut the vacuum on and suck in as many leaders as we can, and we need you to be ready. So if that's you. We want to help you take that step in 2022, but we need to bathe the whole sucker in prayer. So I want to voice a prayer. And after I pray, Seth probably can come on up. Probably that'd be the easiest thing. And we're going to sing one more song. And we don't do this to try to stir some emotion in your heart. We do this because hopefully in your heart, God's done something. And you may just want to respond through singing. Do it. But you may need to take some other step. Come talk to me. If you're not a Christian, you want to today, I want to talk to you. I'm going to stand right down here. Or on the front row. I'll be in this area. Just come let me know. I want to trust in Christ today. I want to help you do that. You may want to come to this altar and voice a prayer for somebody else or for your own heart. Ask God to bless you, use you, and, and grow you some way in 2022. That's what this time's for. I want to say a prayer. After I say amen, we'll stand. And honestly, respond however you need to, okay? I'm going to pray. God, we thank you that God, uh, uh, that you have. Uh, God, absolutely. Um, God, I've, uh, you've changed, you've done so much in my life, God. And I, God, I look at so many men and women who invested in me early on. And God, I know they're like the author of Hebrews. And, and I, I pray that my, my face is still in their mind. And, and God, I, I pray for those that are in my mind, God, that are the people that I invested in. They're, I know they're still serving. They're serving, but God, my heart goes out today. And God, for those that, that, that Kelly and I got an opportunity to invest in that aren't following you. And I pray that God, today, that, that they would, that you put somebody in their path to, to help them get straightened up and, and understand that you still love them even though they've made mistakes, even though they've, they've turned their back on you, you never did. They're still right there with them. 
God, I thank you for your word that made the gospel come alive to me and, and brought salvation to me through your spirit. And, and God continues to help me grow and learn what it looks like to follow Jesus. And God, I pray for this, that, that, that's something you would do in all of us, God. Um, so God, I pray for this time of response. Um, God, anytime we open the word, we want to we give folks a time to wrestle. And God, I pray that, that you wouldn't allow our mind to drift during this time towards other things, but God, you keep our mind focused on what we need to, what changes we need to make, uh, God, what prayers we need to pray, God, what steps we need to take. And God, I pray that you bless those steps. Be with us during this time and call us to what you need to call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Stan, you respond however you need to.